I want everyone just to close your eyes. I want you to listen with your spirit. This session, you're going to have to come out of the bleachers and get on the playing field. You can't be a spectator any longer. So you have to train your spirit to hear. Not your senses. I don't want your senses involved. You know you're hearing in the spirit when the voices inside of you are quiet. You know you're hearing in the spirit when you're breathing is very quiet. You know you're in the spirit when you don't have any thoughts of tomorrow, yesterday, and your body is still. You're not thinking about you have to pee, you want water. What's this guy going to say? I don't even think I like him. When your thoughts are quiet, your body is still. When you're not thinking about time, your environment or your body, you're resting in the spirit. When you can make your body quiet, it can relax into the present moment. When you're not trying to anticipate the next moment, trying to control anything, relax your body into the present moment. This is what God meant when he said, be still and know. Knowing only comes when you can be still. Everything else is restlessness. Expand your spirit outside of your body because that's where it is. It's not in your body. Your body is in your spirit. But because we've been trained to use our bodies to validate our existence and our image, we believe our spirit is inside. You are inside your spirit. Your physical body is inside your spirit. Now allow your spirit to expand beyond this time and space. Be conscious of the restlessness your body wants to take control. You have to train your body like a dog. Let the Spirit show you how you try to protect an image, how you try to protect a feeling. Observe that. Observe your restlessness. Embrace eternity right now. Embrace it. Embrace it. 
from the beginning I revealed the end. From long ago I told you things that had not yet happened, saying, My plan will stand, and I'll do everything I intended to do. From the beginning, I revealed the end. From long ago, I told you things that had not yet happened, saying, My plan will stand, and I'll do everything I intended to do. It's in this generous present moment that you become the creator of your life. You are the creator of everything that God intended you to have before you were flesh. It's in this stillness, in this presence, that you can see without any distraction and rest without any restlessness. This is where you meet him face to face. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you your expected end. Jesus said, the images are manifest to man, but the light in them remains concealed in the image of the light of the Father. He will become manifest, but his image will remain concealed by his light. Be seated in his presence. You can feel the weight of his glory in here. He's really speaking to so many people right now. Stay in that present moment. We spoke earlier today about being, about being present, about what you think, what you believe, and how you behave is your state of being. And the only way that changes is when what you believe and what you think change. Nothing changes until you change. That requires being in that present moment constantly. Before Jesus went to resurrect Lazarus, he told his disciples that he was asleep. And his disciples didn't understand that language. So Jesus had to use the language of this world system. He said, for your sakes, Lazarus is dead. But I must go that I can awake him. 
the life you've been living up to this point is like Lazarus. When you become conscious of your spirit, you awake and you're resurrected into Christ where you were before the foundation of the world. It's that simple. It's like waking up from a dream, waking up from a sleep. Everything that you live out in your daily life, you put so much attention on that as a reality that you lose or you hypnotically believe that that is reality. And what Jesus is saying is you've been asleep and he wants to awake you to the reality of who you are. But that takes your conscious participation. He will not do anything or infringe upon your free will. So when you are conscious, you have given your attention to the present moment where eternity exists. That's where He is. Every place else is just your imagination. And the more time you spend in the present moment, the more the words of Christ come alive inside of you. Because before the foundation of the world, you saw Him complete everything He did in the material realm. That's where you were. But we don't believe that because our senses tell us what is real and what is not real. But the spirit realm is outside your senses. It's outside this dimension. And that's the reality of who you are. And at first it's very difficult because there's no physical stimulation believing that. <laughs> and we're accustomed to stimulation. We're accustomed to drama. That's what this dimension is all about. And that's where the addictions are in this dimension. But the spirit dimension beyond your senses open up greater opportunities to the reality of what God did before you were flesh. In Genesis 1.26, God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them rule over the fish of the sea and over fowl of the heavens and over cattle and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that is creeping on the earth. And God prepared the man, God prepared the man in his image. In the image of God, he prepared him. A male and a female, he prepared them. So his preparation went from singular to plural. And his image is spirit. How many of you know God prepared man in his spirit image? And how many of you know that doesn't have an image? <laughs> That's an imageless image. 
in his likeness, which is also incapable of being described. That reality has to be lived out every time you try to protect your image. And unconsciously we do it all the time. Because most of the time we're protecting our image, our environment, our body, and time. That's what we believe we must protect. And yet, if we recognize that being formed in the image of God means we're formed in a spirit, then we're less about the physical appearance not that you don't clean yourself and look pretty like all of you do, but it's not the image of God if it's visible. Say, the Spirit is invisible. And that's who I am. So all the attention we put on the physical is time we could be using on understanding our spiritual nature. Because nature is more relevant than appearance. You will become what your nature is. And that is who God created you to be. In that oneness with Him. So, every time we quote this scripture, it must be understood that it's not a physical appearance. The reality is a spiritual nature. So, when God created us, and he created all men through Adam. All men, all women through Adam. And he formed us to be reflective of the nature that we adopt. Because we have that choice. We can adopt any nature we want. And if you don't adopt the God nature, you be fall into the next class of created beings and that's animal so you become either an animal nature or the God nature and we know what happens when man falls into the animal nature he becomes lawless so our relationship with the nature of God is the most important thing we should pay attention to because it's not the rules of right and wrong, the duality rules of this dimension. You remember when God said, don't eat of the fruit of good and evil? That's the reality of this dimension. Right, wrong, good, bad. We judge from that division, from that nature. But that's not who we are. We're not from this dimension. But if you fall into the animal nature, that's the dimension you operate in. You judge, you protect, and you're aggressive because that's the nature of this dimension. So whenever you're in those kinds of emotions, you understand what dimension you're functioning in. Are you with me? So the duality dimension that we live physically inside of operate under this cause and effect cause and effect that's the dimension of we live in physically and that's why most people are always looking for a reason 
for certain things that happen because they're thinking inside this dimension. Are you with me? The spirit dimension causes the effect. You're not subject to right, wrong, cause and effect. If you're in the spirit, you cause the effect. So, here we are understanding the image. So now I want to explain a little bit why we are so eager or trapped or uh, defaulted into thinking inside of this dimension. And I think it's important, particularly people that are, are church members and people that spend time in church. Because the church that God created from the Hebrews, the synagogue and, and all the laws, all of that had a structure from inside the third dimension. You needed to follow the laws. You needed to live by the laws of Moses. Is that right? So those were the understandings of the Hebrew people and the religious structure of that time. And Jesus knew that. So when he spoke, he spoke with that understanding. And he always explained that if after he healed some people, he says, go show the priest when they were healed from blindness. He would always follow the laws, except one, he, he healed on the Sabbath. <laughs> he didn't care about that law because he is the Sabbath. So the laws that constituted right and wrong in the Hebrew religion were a function of how you were to be judged righteous according to God in the, the nature that Adam had fallen into. In other words, he had fallen into the nature of the animal, lawlessness. So God had to put a law into this dimension so that he could show that he was righteous before God. And that's why Satan was always on top of Jesus because he ruled the second dimension. Once he fell, Satan had access to the second dimension or the mind and thoughts of man. So he was persecuting Jesus all the time, all the time. And he was persecuting all believers. And that's why it was so unbelievable, not unbelievable, just incredible, how Jesus was able to overcome the enormous pressure that he was enduring from Satan. I mean, it's, it's unbearable. Let, let's read something here that I love. It's in John, right before Jesus was going to the cross. It's in John 12. Start with verse 23. Jesus answered saying, The hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. He who loves his life will lose it. And he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, let him follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. 
If anyone serves me, him my Father will honor. Verse 27, Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Jesus' soul was troubled because he was being absolutely oppressed demonically by Satan and all the thoughts that he was being bombarded with, that he was going to die on the cross and his father was going to forsake him and his mother and father hated him. All the imaginable things you can imagine, he was hearing. He was hearing it. And he said, my soul is troubled. It's, it's, it's just overwhelming the pressure that I'm feeling right now before I go to die for you. So what does he say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose, I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. So when your soul is troubled, you can't imagine how, how much trouble Jesus felt. But he was able to say, glorify you, Father, because I came for this. This was why I came to this planet. This is why I died for this people. Glorify you, Father. And then all the angels, all heaven, just went crazy because they knew he was about to win the victory. Bring the people back to his father. He was about to do it. He had overcome all the pressure that the first Adam couldn't do. He, Adam fell, but this Adam, he brought the glory. He brought the glory. And every time you feel weak or you feel oppressed, just think about what Jesus went through. And it's such a small thing that we go through. Nothing compares to the pressure that our precious Lord went through. Nothing. Because He saw on the other side of resurrection. He saw beyond the grave. He saw the victory that He was bringing to His Father. And that gave Him so much strength and so much power. And that's where we are today, folks. When you awaken to the present moment, you're living in that eternal victory, that eternal glory that is absolutely victorious in anything you go through, in anything you experience. Nothing, nothing in this physical dimension is greater than what he went through. Nothing. And to prove it, he went through it and came out resurrected above all things. And that's what it says in Colossians chapter 1. This is powerful. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. He is the image of the invisible God. You looking for an image? He is the image of the invisible God. Firstborn. For by Him all things were created that are in heaven, that are on earth, 
visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. Say all things. All things. There's not anything that wasn't created for him, by him, and through him. So whenever you think that this is just peculiar to your situation, this situation you're going through is just, you're the only one that is going, that's going through it. All things went through him to get to you. They had to go through him to get to you. And if they went through him, they had to go to the grave and they didn't resurrect. He did. So they had to go through him to get to you. That means they're already defeated. So you don't have to do it. He's done it. That says a lot, doesn't it? That puts things in perspective, as they say. So what else does he say? And he is before all things. And in him all things have their substance all things have their reality in him because if it didn't go through him it doesn't exist so if it's if you're experiencing something that he didn't experience it doesn't exist you made it up are you with me there's not any experience you and I will ever have that he didn't have. Are you listening? And when you know that and you're solidly built in that understanding, that relationship of overcoming only gets stronger. Because if he overcame it and he had much more oppression than we did, he's made you higher than the angels now. He was lower. He's given you another level than he had when he went through it. He went through it without as much power as he gave you. He doesn't like victims. Because there's no such thing as a victim in the kingdom of God. We're overcomers. And when you know that, you won't give room inside of your mind to allow something to have an effect on you. Unless you just like the drama. Now, if you like the drama and you're addicted to the drama, that's another story. Because chemistry inside of our physical body produces addicts. You're just addicted to it if you like it. Because it had to go through him to get to you, and he put you higher than where he was when he defeated it. Wow. So when we look at the image, let's look in Hebrews, because I'm getting back to what the church has been trapped in a little bit. So you remember, the law of Moses was established in this dimension to prove to Satan 
that one could come and be righteous. And that one was Jesus. That's right. So he came, lived the law perfectly, fulfilled all the things that the first Adam couldn't do. And that image was the image of the invisible God. So what men were looking at when Jesus was walking the earth was Jesus of Nazareth, who had a physical image, but his spiritual image was the image of his invisible father. Now get me here. Because as Jesus was fulfilling perfectly the law, he was creating a way for all men to understand that if you live as righteous in him, not in your own physical being, not, not you trying to complete the law in good, right, bad, all the things that we judge others for. You see people say, well, sin is what you do. No, sin is what you believe. Sin is what you believe. You're not being punished for your sins. You're being punished by your sins. Because of unbelief. Remember that Antichrist spirit that's in the earth that John was talking about? That's unbelief. When it says the scriptures that Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil, what was the works of the devil? Unbelief. Doubt. You're not the Son of God. You don't know what I'm going through. All of that stuff. That's the works of the devil. The unbelief that people pay attention to and believe, that's the Antichrist spirit. But you were formed before the foundation of the world. Your identity was in Him. Before you were flesh, the physical appearance you have walking this planet has got nothing to do with who you are. Amen. Who you are depends on who you believe. Hallelujah. And who you believe is where your image resides. Are you going to believe the liar who's the father of all lies? Well, then you're going to carry out that nature. But if you believe the one who overcame all things, you have his nature. It's really that simple. So back to Hebrews. So the law of Moses was created in the church of the Hebrews because the Hebrew children was the line that God used to bring our Redeemer into the land. Are you with me? He needed a womb to come into the physical realm. Right? So the womb was the Hebrew children, Mary, and now he is a physical in incarnation of the living God, Jesus of Nazareth, fulfills the law, proves that God is God, and all the miracles that the Hebrews saw in Egypt 
subconsciously made the church look at the external to prove God is God. Watch how subtly this happens. Jesus comes into the land to say, okay, I'm going to fulfill all the prophecies before, actually in Genesis. What did God say when he came into the garden? I'm going to bring one in who's going to what? Crush your head, Satan, right? Okay, who was he talking about? All right, we know that. That's the first prophetic word in Genesis that God was getting ready to do something supernatural in the physical realm. Correct? And did he fulfill his word? He certainly did. But during all of those physical experiences that we read throughout the Scripture, we see these amazing supernatural events that happen. Jesus in His miracles. Egypt and all the amazing... <laughs> the, the frogs, the flies, the plagues, all of that. Supernatural, visibly seen, manifested in the natural. So... The church is going, we want the power of the early church, all the way back to Hebrews. Read this now. For the law, having a shadow of the good things to come, and not the very image of the things, can never with these same sacrifices, which they offer continually year by year, make those who approach perfect. The law was what? A shadow. The law is a shadow. Who produced that shadow? That would be Christ. So the shadow is produced by the origin of light. Put your finger there and turn to Genesis 1. Verse 2, The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. So the earth didn't have an image either. <laughs> Am I right? An imageless earth and an imageless man. Are you seeing the coronation here? Okay. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light and it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. And God called the light day and the darkness he called night. So the evening and the morning were what? The first day. Now that light is not the same light as the fourth day. That's right. That's right. What's in the fourth day? Shadows. That's what rules over this dimension. Shadows. The reason you can understand imagery in this dimension is because it has shadows. You can make yourself look any way you want to with shadows. Am I right? Shadows is what gives depth, dimension, and changes your appearance. It's shadows. But that's not the real light. That's the fourth day light. That first day light is what is being spoken of here in Hebrews. For the law having a shadow of the good things. So the law was created in the fourth day light because it had shadows. God had to create it in the dimension that it was going to rescue man from, which is the third dimension. You're created in the imageless, non-ending dimensions, 
called eternity, where there's no time, there's no space. That's the light that is in you. That's the light that is Christ. Is this too much for you? Can you hang on? Okay, all right. So we're following the light of the first day versus the light of the fourth day. Jesus came and fulfilled the light of the fourth day as the first day light. <laughs> so what light is brighter? That's right. What light do you carry? Okay, so why do you fall for the shadows and the illusions that the fourth day light puts up? <laughs> so, Jesus fulfilled the law, which was a shadow of the good things to come. The good things to come. Now, if we understand that this law was fulfilled by Christ, and now the church understands that Jesus came, fulfilled the law because He was crucified, shed His blood so that all men, He tasted death for all men. But what happens to the churches today in most places, I'm not saying here, I'm just saying in most places, they stop at the cross. They don't go to the resurrection. Because Jesus of Nazareth died on the cross, but the Christ, the Son of God, resurrected. And that's where the New Testament begins. So if you see that little New Testament page between Malachi and Matthew, just rip it out. That's not the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are the completion of the Old Covenant. That's what He came to do, and that's what they talk about. Is that not right? So the New Testament doesn't begin until there's a resurrection. That doesn't mean the, the letters from Paul and these other apostles does not have substance. They do, because they had the revelation of the living Christ. But the New Testament is what's being written on the inside of each and every one of you. You're the New Testament walking. You hear me? You're the New Testament walking. And what you say and what you believe is being written down in heaven as I speak to you right now. Listen to me now. So now you start paying closer attention to what you say and more attention on where you are. You're conscious. And then the words that come out of you are that New Testament that's being written for the next generation. Leave the next generation the victorious message. Let them know that you are an overcomer and you didn't succumb to religion or any other doctrine in this dimension. That you're living in the heavenly dimension. Because suddenly what happens is the churches today are still under the law. And it's a very subtle, unconscious process. Because they judge sin. They judge what's good and bad. They live in that duality. Jesus came to fulfill that law. That law is over. It was a shadow of the good things to come. So whenever you find yourself in that judgmental position or trying to do something that Christ already did that He says He's finished, then you're in the law. 
It'll help you if you can pay attention to it and you pay attention to how you respond. We're living as the New Testament. We are the living epistles. And what we know today is being transcribed in heaven. And what's being spoken right now in the heavenlies doesn't ever leave because it comes from substance of knowing the living Christ. You start creating form from substance. The substance becomes the form instead of the form becoming the substance. You'll get that about next week. Our, our reality has to be so founded in the resurrected Christ that all the historical things that we saw, all the things that made us want to put our eyes on the external, we have to Thank God they were done, but this is a new day. Yeah. We're not living in the history. We're not living in the future. We're living right now. Yeah, because that's the eternal present that changes your future. Yeah. Matter cannot change matter. Only spirit can change matter. That's right. So Christ, when he spoke to Nicodemus, he made it very clear. I came through the womb of the Hebrews. But if you want to be reborn, you have to come through the womb of Christ. Because I am the living Word, and I am the kingdom of God. So when you are born of the water and the Spirit, that means you have to be birthed through Christ. The same way He was birthed into the physical, you're birthed into the spiritual. Your image cannot go into that dimension. You will take on the true image, the true Son of God. And you will live totally free from all of the oppressive, theological, doctrinal relationships your physical image participated in this dimension. Not that it's bad, it's just not relevant for who you are. Amen. You have a stronger and a greater destiny. And that's the reality of why you were in Him before the foundation of the world. Father, I prophesy over every person that hears this word, whether they're physically present or they hear it in the future, their lives will no longer be the same. The reality of what they believe and what they see and what they think will change. They will understand greater and bigger and wider understandings in the spiritual dimension. Their relationship with you will be absolutely enhanced by knowing what he overcame to give them an overcomer's spirit. And I thank you, Father, for every precious spirit that is here that's able to hear what's being said. In Jesus' name, amen.